hit me. From Studio P in Sausalito, the home of the hit, it's time for... Suck The number one award-seeking comedy podcast about comedy... Podcast. And here's your host, internationally recognized comedy podcast podcaster, Mark Hershaw. Yes, it is I, Mark Hershon, your curator for Suckatash, the comedy podcast podcast. Welcome to Epi 88. Come on in, make yourself comfortable, help yourself to whatever's in the fridge while I show you what we've got in store for you this episode. First of all, if you're Andy Latinsky, a special welcome. You're hearing this episode two days before anyone else. That's right. We've started a very cheap subscription model for this show. And for just two bucks a month, you get the show through our page on connectpal.com two days before we drop on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or anywhere else. Plus, we've got some freebies to send you just for signing up. But Andy Latinsky is our only subscriber so far. So enjoy the show, Andy. Want to check that out for yourself, by the way? You can click over to connectpal.com slash succotash and uh, see what that's all about. I don't know if you bothered to listen in on our half episode 87.5 a week or so ago, which was just me rambling on my way up Interstate 5 from Los Angeles, but this week it's clips. Clips, clips, and more clips from comedy podcasts from around the world. Some that I collected, some were harvested by our ace associate producers Tyson Saner, and a few were sent in by comedy podcasters themselves. Now, if you're a comedy podcaster, or if you're just a listener who has a suggestion for a comedy podcast that we should clip, I will give you more details on how to do that a little later in the show. In addition to the clips, we have our usual features back in place this episode, including a double burst o durst with comedian Will Durst. That's right, we got two of them this show. The 10 most active shows in the Stitcher Top 100 Comedy Podcast list, the Tweet Sack segment, <laughs> and a brand new Henderson's Pants commercial. Here's a handy tip to find the home sites for the show we feature here. Just click on over to our home site, SuckatashShow.com, and in the blog entry for each episode, you can just click on the title for each podcast, and that will take you to the best site online that we've been able to find the show on. Now, before we get to anything else, let's see what our friends Dean Haglin and Phil Lerness from the Chill Pack Hollywood Hour had to say this past week about us. Um, of course, some people uh, find us in excerpted form on Mark Hirsch on Succotash. And, <laughs> uh, and I got to tell you, he did an epi 87.5 this week. He did oh, a half episode. Half episode. Uh, while uh, he re- recorded in Studio F, which is his fiat, uh, doing the Kessel Run up I-5 from Los Angeles to uh, his home in Marin County. Fantastic. And uh, if you are like me, or if you just like me, and you enjoy breakfast and name dropping, then that is the show for you. I mean, it's all about breakfasts he had and the people with whom he had those breakfasts. Famous people he, he's dined with? <laughs> just breakfast, though. Yeah, that's what it seemed like, because his whole trip in Los Angeles was pretty wow. much just pitch meetings and breakfasts. That's fantastic. You can catch those boys over at their new home on Blog Talk Radio, as well as on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, their Facebook page, or their home site, ChillPack, that's C-H-I-L-L-P-A-K, Hollywood.com. Uh, I was just chatting with Phil Lairness yesterday. He, ta- he texted me and said that uh, the Facebook feeds from Libsyn for some podcasts don't seem to be working properly. And I checked ours out. And as of yesterday, uh, it wasn't functioning. I'm not sure what was wrong. Uh, normally, you can just go to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash show. And you can listen to our show uh, each episode right from the page. But uh, there seems to be something wonky going on. Now, Facebook recently updated the format for those uh, those pages that they have. And uh, maybe something's gone screwy in there. I, I don't know. Uh, I I'm not an expert. I just do uh, what the thing says to do, and it usually works. But uh, the thing wasn't doing its thing, I guess. The ten most active shows in the Stitcher Top 100 Comedy Podcast List. Let's do this. Rather than the boring old Top 10 show on Stitcher's Top 100 Comedy List, the show themselves aren't boring, of course. It's just that the ones at the top rarely change position that much. So we think it's more interesting to see which 10 shows have moved up or down the most in the past week or so. 
At number 12, The Bugle has gone up uh, 10 points. They're at number 12. I think it's because John Oliver's show on HBO is becoming a quite uh, quite the thing to watch. He's been doing The Bugle with, uh, with Andy Zaltzman for uh, probably five or six years now, but uh, The Bugle has found uh, some some new attention. So they're, uh, they've moved up and uh, they're doing quite well. At 21, how did this get made? Down 10 points. At 36, Jay and Silent Bob Get Old has dropped eight points. At 39, This Week in Blackness Radio up seven places. At 47, The Champs with Neil Brennan and Moshe Kasher up 25 points. So they must have a new episode out. At 50, You Made It Weird with Pete Holmes, up nine places. At 66, Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine, is up 16 points. At 68, Jim Florentine's metal comedy Midgets has gained eight places. At 81, Pointless with Kevin Pereira is back in the top 100, having jumped 50 places on Stitcher's list. And at 71, The Artie Lang Show has dropped seven places. That there is the latest slice of the 10 most active shows in the Stitcher Top 100 Comedy Podcast List. Shall we get into some clippage? This week for This Week in Comedy Podcasts for Splitsider.com and for the Huffington Post, I reviewed the premiere episode of Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Podcast. <laughs> it's just Gilbert in his New York apartment, along with co-host Frank Santa Padre, interviewing a different person for about an hour. Their first guest was Dick Cavett. Yeah, the Dick Cavett. And it's a good show. Funny, touching, thoughtful, sophomoric at times, and occasionally a tad politically incorrect, which I think happens to be great. Here's a taste for you. I, I remember one time uh, at some event... I started doing the Groucho imitation to you, where I started following you around, going, uh, and then I miss Grace Harry Ruby. And at first you were laughing, and then you were... You gave me chills. Yes. (laughs) Because everybody else does Groucho. Yes, I need to follow me, and they don't get it. See, I can't do the young Groucho anymore. It's that that soft-voiced old Groucho, just velvet soft voice, yeah. And I remember so much... Worked with us in some of those movies, and uh, she was always, she never understood what I was talking about. You're making me cry, Because, <laughs> because she would say, Julie, what does that joke mean? And, and she never understood what any of the, the joke meant. I remember sitting there when he said that. I also noticed another thing sitting next to Groucho. He was surprised by things he said. <laughs> I mean by that, he heard them as we did. He didn't think I'm going to say this. You said something, and he said thing, and then he'd give a little laugh like, hey, that wasn't bad. Oh, wow. You know, yes, yes. And you've had it yourself. You've, yeah. you've said something and thought, geez, that was good. I didn't even have to think it. I oh, said yes, it. yes. Very true in, in Groucho, even as he got uh, older. One day, do you dare me to tell you a Groucho story Absolutely. you may never heard? Absolutely. Love it. Absolutely. One day, he and Tony Randall... We're in their tuxedos backstage, I think, at the music hall for some big special. And they were asked to step aside back there in the hall while they brought some scenery through or something. And would you two gentlemen just go into that room? And they went into a room. And the room was a dressing room. And suddenly from the other end, it filled with chorus girls uh, who stripped mother naked and got into some jungle costume. <laughs> As Groucho and Randall stood there in their tuxedos, you can see Groucho holding his cigar and saying to Randall, you know, you don't get this in the pants business. <laughs> Good stuff. Gilbert Gottfried's amazing Colossal Podcast is part of the Sideshow Network and is downloadable and streamable from pretty much all of the usual places. I I don't mention you know iTunes and everything every time somebody's clip plays because it would uh, it gets boring. 
Uh, but you know where to find that stuff. Uh, I had also mentioned that uh, my review for his show appeared on Huffington Post this past week, where I am a, a vetted blogger and have been for a number of years. And I've decided I'm going to start repurposing my uh, reviews that I do for This Week in Comedy podcasts uh, up there when I think to do it. So um, start looking for those if you will. I've featured the very funny John Dredge's Nothing to Do with Anything show before, but figured since he's just concluded his third season of the show, I'd play a little piece so you can see why you'd want to go binge listen to six episodes that constitute the entire third series. On line four now, we have Ben Kenobi. That's an unusual surname, Ben. Where are you from? Until last year, I had spent most of my life on the planet my goodness, that is a galaxy far, far away. And where's home these days? Tooting. There aren't as many sand people in Tooting. As soon as the first load of sand people arrived on Tatooine, I thought, there goes the neighbourhood. So, what can I do for you, Ben? I'd like to swap my lightsaber for a cricket bat. Taking up sport, are you? No. Oh. Well, um, is the lightsaber in good condition? So, the number to call if you want to swap with Ben is 811-8055. And don't forget, it's OB1 if you're outside London. Now, let's go to line five, where I believe we've got an exciting detective serial. Hello? Now, Episode 2 Productions presents The Case of the Thing That Happened. Here's what one satisfied customer said about Episode 2 Productions. My cereal had been going really well, until one day I noticed I didn't have a second episode. Luckily, Episode 2 Productions were able to provide one within minutes, and at a rate of interest I was too delirious to notice. Episode 2 Productions when one episode simply isn't enough. My name is Inspector Something of Scotland Yard. For those of you who missed the first instalment of our serial, here's a quick reminder of what happened. Perhaps that was a little too quick. Constable Lurgons, could you take over? Certainly, Inspector. Here's the story so far as written in my notebook. <clears throat> At approximately 3 minutes and 21 seconds into the previous instalment, Inspector Something and I tracked down the artichoke-stealing gang, who had audaciously stolen all of the world's artichokes, to their world-famous secret headquarters in New Malden. But when the inspector asked them to throw down their artichokes and come out with their hands up, we were both flattened by the very artichokes they had thrown down. Clearly, we had not thought through the potential ramifications or performed an adequate risk assessment before issuing the command. Cut to the chase, Constable. I don't remember a chase, sir. It's a figure of speech. Just get on with it. Well, by the time we had lifted the artichokes off each other and filed the relevant accident reports with the Constabulary's health and safety representative, the gang had managed to escape. We weren't very popular back at the Nick, I can tell you. I cannot believe we let them escape like that. How should we have let them escape, sir? I don't know, but one thing's for certain. We need to track them down. D-O-W-N pronounced... But how the cliché are we going to do that, sir? By using the very latest methods, Constable. Forensic psychology? No. Brain fingerprinting? No. Taking his laptop into PC world for a bit of a shufty? No, Constable. This... What in Cressida Dick's name is that? It's the new KTEL criminal finding machine. Crikey! I simply set it to Artichoke Stealing Gang of New Malden and. Tunbridge Wells. Of course. Why didn't I think of that? Quick, Constable, to Kent and don't spare the horses. There are 
are a couple of home sites for the John Dredge's Nothing to Do with Anything show, and uh, they both have long URLs. So just type John Dredge, that's D-R-E-D-G-E, into Google or Bing or whatever search engine you use, and th- uh, those sites will pop right up. Or visit our show.com site and use the link uh, by clicking on the title of his show in the blog for this episode. Had a shout out from the Jocularity Show podcast a few weeks ago on the Twitter, along with a request to check out their show, which is part of the Torn by Sports blog out of Utah. Now, some of you Succotashians may recall how I stumbled through the most recent fantasy football season run by Chris Lanuti over at the Broadcast Basement podcast. Clearly, I am not a sports guy, and the Jocularity Show is just as clearly a sports show. They do get into some funny stuff, which qualifies them for succotash, but for a non-jock, I had kind of a tough slog making it through a couple of pretty straight-up interviews. But that's entirely on me. If you enjoy sports, you'll most likely be right there with hosts Rick Allen and David Wilbur. In this clip, they're joined by their producer, Alan, as they talk about walk-up music, the tunage that the players uh, were being introduced to during the recent NFL draft. So that brings up the question... What would your walk-up music be? If you had 10 seconds in the spotlight with a national TV audience and a packed house at Radio City Music Hall, what song would you like played? And uh, I had to think about this uh, for a while. I had about 10 tracks come to mind, and it was really tough to decide. Alan, what about you? Uh, There's a little band from New York called The Bouncing Souls. They have a song called Mantham. It's uh, a... I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. It's a pop punk song. I love it, man. My let's, favorite. Let's hear a little bit of Mantham right now. Yeah, I can see that. I, I can see that being Alan's walk-up music. That Alan really well. That's it. David, how about you? I would do More Than a Feeling by Boston. Ooh. More Than a Feeling. A little classic rock. Absolutely. I love Boston. I like it. I like it. Why is that one? Bo- well, More Than a Feeling. I can jam out to that in my car and my truck. No matter what I'm driving, I can jam out to that one. Uh, it was pretty much our anthem. My, my friend uh, and I, we went to San Diego on a road trip before I got married, and that song came on, and, and we nearly drove off the road partying <laughs> while we were driving to that song. And I just love it. I've got a lot of connections to it, a lot of memories with that song, and, and I just love it. And I love Boston. I listen to them almost every day. I'm work. having fun picturing you jamming out in your car. Oh, it's fun. <laughs> it is fun. Can you imagine pulling up at a red light, and you look over to your right or your left, and you see... Dave rocking out <laughs> I was to gonna some ask, Boston. Like, when someone pulls up next to you, do you turn it down and just like look straight it ahead? It depends on the song. If there's Taylor Swift <laughs> on, I'll, I'll turn it down. <laughs> well, we all know what it sounds like, but just for Dave's benefit, let's hear a little bit of More Than a Feeling. Oh, yeah, I see my Marianne walking away. <laughs> Don't be making fun. I'm not making fun. That was a tribute. Are you kidding me? That's an homage. I'm all about the classic rock. Well, mine, I got to go with this track with the, the one caveat. It's a fantastic song. It's a great band. It's one of my favorite albums, but it has been ruined by some of those MTV jackass guys who used it as their theme song. I think it was a show called Wild and Out or something like that. But this is a song by Turbo Negro called The Age of Pamperius.
And you can see that just screams Rick Aaron. That is a badass track that lets you know when I'm walking up to the stage, I mean business. Wow. Right? Absolutely. Every time I hear that now, I know. Rick Aaron yep. is just going to yep. come right into my head. Yep. Exactly. Fantastic album called Apocalypse Dudes. Check out some Turbo Negro from Norway, of all places. Fantastic band. Find those fellows of the Jocularity Show and their sports talk and humor over at tornbysports.com blog and the other usual podcast haunts as well. All right, I'm going to play a promo. Now, I think promos are a great tool for promoting a show, but for this show, this succotash, the, the whole show really is a promo for comedy podcasts, which is why we feature actual clips. But the guys behind the Hive Noise podcast said that they put this promo together especially for us. So I'll play it, even though, and I may have missed it, they don't mention Succotash anywhere in their promo. So I don't know what they mean about made especially for us, but here it is. Hi, I'm Dirk Oddfellow. I'm Dimitri Bowman. And I'm Steve. We wanted to take just a few moments and tell you about our comedy podcast, Hive Noise. Yeah. We have tens of listeners, and we play original comedy skits, featured segments, and audio messages left by you, our listeners. But hardly any skits have me in them, and I pay all the bills. Steve, you're featured plenty, and you should feel lucky we haven't scrapped your Rolling Reporter segment yet. You got that right. After getting arrested by the TSA on your trip to the airport in, what was that, episode 6, and, oh, we have freaking out some dude in a strip club restroom in episode 8, I don't see how you think a homeless shelter visit's going to go very well. Yeah, Steve. Let's cancel Rolling Reporter before you get sexually assaulted by a homeless guy. Just let me do another one. It will be funny, I swear. Mm -hmm. Anyway, why don't you give us a listen? You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and on our own website, HiveNoise.com. And leave your messages at the Hive Noise input line. 724-374-3380. We want your creativity, originality, vulgarness, weirdness, anything you can think of. Hive Noise is a liberal domain. Call when you're drinking and listen when you're nursing that hangover. All at HiveNoise.com. And when you're sweating at the gym, looking at Tracy's ass on the treadmill, what else have you got to listen to? That sounds like a plan to me, dude. All right, I'm going to confess that uh, what's been happening the past few months is that I've been getting very, very busy, and I've been falling way behind, as you likely know, getting this podcast out. Apologies, but real life intrudes. One of the benefits for you, however, is that I end up with an extra one of our Burst of Durst features from time to time, so this happy you are getting a double dose of Durst. One now, one later for dessert, let's say. In this installment, comedian Will Durst gets his back up about rich people. Hey guys, Will Durst here with a bit of a history lesson. In the bad old days, medieval German lords figured out how to pocket some quick cash by charging a toll on the primitive paths meandering across their lands. The money wasn't used to improve the roads or better the lives of the peasants or clean the rivers their pigs pooped in, but rather heightened the piles in their treasury. Even back then, you just couldn't have enough pewter candlesticks. These were the first robber barons, literally a criminal aristocracy, a term that history has proved redundant. Today, we're de-evolving and once again fast becoming a plutocracy, where the world is run by the wealthy. Six members of the Walton family have accrued as much money as the bottom 41% of all Americans. Now, couldn't they cover the health care of Walmart employees and still be worth as much as the bottom 34%? How many pewter candlesticks does one family need? You'd think they could get them wholesale. The ninth wealthiest man in the world, Sheldon Adelson, gave $80 million to GOP presidential candidates in 2012 and is ready to triple that number this time around, recently holding prospective candidate auditions in Las Vegas for his own personal American Idol. And no, Clay Aiken wasn't invited. The most Darth-like of the new robber barons are the Koch brothers, David and Charles, each richer than Adelson. 
These self-made inheritors of a vast oil empire are currently hand-picking candidates all over the country, pouring in vast amounts of money to get them and their affluent, friendly policies elected. Wisconsin Governor Scott Walker is one of the first-generation cockbots. If they wanted to, the Koch family could spend a billion dollars a year for the next 80 years buying politicians, bankrupting the rest of us through cockbot legislated tolls on the primitive paths meandering across cock-owned lands, especially egregious when all the lands are cock-owned. Welcome to the American Cockocracy. For Suckatash, the comedy podcast podcast, I'm Will Durst. We'll have another Burst O'Durst up toward the end of the show, but in the meantime, why not follow him at Will Durst on Twitter? That's right, in the meantime. So while this show is on, go go on, get on, get on Twitter and uh, find him at Will Durst, uh, W-I-L-L-D-U-R-S-T. Uh, that's it. Mm-hmm. No, Durst, D-U-R-S-T. And uh, just click follow. Okay, thank you. Been hearing a lot about a podcast called Geeks with Wives and Capes lately. I think mainly because a couple of friends of Succotash have guested on that show recently, namely Phil Ernest from Chill Pack Hollywood Hour and Ethan Dettenmeyer from Combat Radio. So I was glad to get this clip, harvested by our associate producer Tyson Saner, from Ethan's visit with Josh, Matt, and Joe. So Ethan, how's it going? How, how's your week been? Uh, pretty fucking barbaric, actually. But uh, wow. I, guess I would say it's all you know. It's been busy, uh, but it's all good. Now, now, when you say barbaric, were you in a pit somewhere with like a, a club with yes, spikes, just, like, just handling a, business, or <laughs> I was in a pit uh, at Universal with a bunch of executives that needed an ass whipping. Nice. <laughs> and uh, um, yeah, they. I'm actually on two projects over there, so I had to beat their ass twice. That's, that's extra. Can, can you uh, can you die, can you tell us a little bit about those or, you know, um, one is the uh, I'm on the soccer project for two producers over there on the New York Cosmos, which is the play uh, the team that Pele played on in the 70s. Warner Brothers actually owned that team, and it's based on the documentary Once in a Lifetime. Pretty fantastic, actually. So I'm on that project, and then I just got brought on to a, bra- a Blade uh, prequel by producer John Divins this week. Wow, there's a so I've had my hands full, but I'm also in the works on a new radio drama, and um, I'm wait, wait, did you just drop a Geek with Wives exclusive? (laughs) No, not really. I think people know that. Uh, Okay, I don't, I'm not sure about that one. uh, uh, I'll I'll take it anyway. What what are you talking about? The Blade, Blade thing? Blade prequel, yeah. The Blade, the Blade prequel. You know they're you know they're constantly developing prequels, sequels, everything. There's writers on projects that the public only hears a, few, a little percentage about it, and a lot of that's just because they're putting a creative creative bullpen process in it. So they'll bring writers in, they'll hash things out. It could sit on the shelf, it could go into turnaround, it could be made next year. You never know. So we'll wait and see where this goes. Well, we're an- anxiously waiting. That's uh, something I'd be very interested in. I love that uh, character and that franchise. Um, last movie wasn't so good, but um, it was probably the first true, like, really good Marvel movie. Was it? Yeah. I, I, I'm, I, I, would okay. say, I agree. Yeah. Blade 1 was amazing. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, yeah I, I've worked for that producer several times. I've been, on, I've been with uh, – I've worked for Dark Horse Comics, too. But um, no, I've worked for that producer on four film projects, I think. No, uh, yeah, I, he, I was with him when I was over at Warner Brothers in feature development. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do and why you get to get work on all these great projects? Um, I don't know how great any of this is going to sound, but I, mean, I started <laughs> off in the. Uh, I mean, it's pretty simple. I started off in the Warner Brothers mail room, um, and then uh, I got a job working for. Uh, Academy Award-nominated producer Steve Ruther, who did Face Off and Pretty Woman. I got a job working in his production office in development. And I also moonlit for director John Milius, who had done Conan the Barbarian and Red Dawn. So I'd work the days for the producer, and then around 4 o'clock in the afternoon, I would go over to John Milius's office in Building 81, which was hilarious. And there's a great new documentary about him right now, actually, out on Netflix called Milius. And I think everyone should see it because it's really remarkable, and it shows the guy exactly how he was, which was larger than life and slightly crazy. (laughs) Uh, So I worked for them, and then I got a job as a writer. I worked uh, for Dark Horse Comics. I was a writer for Steven Seagal. And, uh, you know, script doctor, which means you're paid 
a lot of money, you do an astronomical amount of work, and you get no credit and no thanks. But you are allowed to make a living. And I had my own office for a while. And uh, I produced a television pilot for Spike TV. And then somehow, you know, I got involved in radio. And, you know, and that's how my coffee guy knows me in the morning as the radio guy. Nice. Not having any idea that there's actually a full-time job around the two hours I'm on the radio each week. The yeah. Geeks with Wives and Capes have a nice home site at geekswithwives.com. Although I was having trouble sorting through all of the geeks, there are so many of them. But uh, why don't you pay them a visit and download them while you can? I mean, <laughs> that makes it sound like they're going away. Uh, just, just get their show. In Epi 87, I featured a clip of myself playing the Random 5 Questions game on the Crunch Time Show podcast. I believe I mentioned then that I would play a clip from the main part of their show at my next opportunity, which happens to be now. And fortunately, Wayne Crunchy Baggins, uh, one of the co-hosts of that show, sent in a few clips for me to choose from. So here's, uh, here's one of him and his wife, the Scully, talking about an embarrassing story around a cassette tape that haunts him to this day. He used to visit my sister a lot, and there was always, always an expected phone call <laughs> within no time at all of being home, because every time we visited my sister's house, he, whether it was knowingly or not to my knowledge, he would have done something. And uh, this one day, I, uh, ordinarily I would not leave him alone down there, but this one day my sister said, oh, for goodness sake, let him play in the other room. There's nothing he could hurt. It's suffice to say I was a bit of a, um, I wouldn't say uncontrollable child, but I did have my moments where I needed to be supervised. Moments? I couldn't take my bloody eyes off yeah. <laughs> so the one time that my Auntie Kathy had said, it's all right, leave him with me, he'll be fine. Well, I didn't actually leave you with her. I was in the house at the time, just in another room. And she said that in that room, you would not hurt anything. Let you play, have a break, have a cup of coffee. I just clicked, I know what's coming. Things would be fine. <laughs> yes. So, as I thought, the visit went fantastically well. I chilled out, had a coffee, checked on you occasionally, went home, thought, yes, if he's that good all the time, I'll take him more often. However, <laughs> two days later, I get this phone call. You're f the son. No, you're weak, weak as well. On oh, podcast. weak as well. Okay, then. You're fucking son. And I said, what has he done now? Well, my sister, being the year she was born, loves 60s music. And she got a friend who'd made her up a cassette tape. They were about, though, then. <laughs> they did um, exist. They did exist. A cassette tape of all her favourite treasured 60s music, which she played time and time again. It's safe to say that this mixtape was one of her cherished possessions. Um, and she said, you better bloody come down here and listen to my 60s tape. So <laughs> down I go. Oh, God. She pressed the dreaded play button <clears throat> and all you could do was, this is DJ Wayne Bagley and you're, and you're first record of the day and next thing we'll have a competition about Teenage Mutant Newton Turtles and it must have gone on for at least an hour on her favourite tape. She was not impressed. I can imagine. Um, and all I could say was sorry, which I'd said numerous times before down there on his other visits. <laughs> um, and so we kept the tape, and on his 18th, yes. we uh, promptly reminded him of the occasion by playing some bits of the tape. Yes, um, at that time, I think it was uh, about the time that mini-discs were in uh, hot production. So what my mum had done in her kind wisdom was to lend the tape to a certain DJ friend that we both know and he happened to put it onto the mini-disc to play out to every single person that was in that hall. So there's me sat in the chair in the middle of the room with my mum and dad stood right behind me doing this whole this is your life shtick and all of a sudden I hear my own voice saying... This is DJ Wayne Bagman, 
My head was in my hands. I was like, oh, fuck no. Wayne and the Scully talk about a lot of other geeky stuff. Gaming, movies, TV, you know, the usual the usual suspects in the pop culture roundup. At their home site, crunchtimeshow.libsyn.com. Also find them on Stitcher, Facebook, etc., etc. Now, are you looking for a way to beat the summer heat this season? Check out the latest from our friends at Henderson's Pants. Hello, friends. Summer's here, and thanks to the effect of climate change, it's likely to be hotter than a blowtorch full of Tabasco sauce. <laughs> Who writes these things? Not to worry. The pants engineers at Henderson's Pants have been busy, busy, busy as the proverbial beavers coming up with a sartorial breakthrough that will help y'all chillax your way through the torrid days of summer. Introducing Henderson's air-cooled cooler. These are the first unisex trousers that feature a high-tech, compact cooling system, guaranteed to keep your prickly heat on ice through the hot and steamy summer months. How does Henderson's do it? The secret is in the ripstop nylon duffel bag that you carry along, which contains a repurposed air conditioning unit from a 1974 Chevy Vega. A sturdy, flexible pipe connects to a valve in the right rear pocket, while a similar conduit vents warm air out of the left rear pocket. Our reliable elastic bands help keep the seals stay tight at your waist and calves, so you'll literally be able to chill your ass out within moments of switching on your air-cooled culottes. Although the air conditioning unit weighs in at a hefty 30 pounds, the complimentary duffel bag comes complete with a comfortable shoulder strap with room to store extra batteries. Originally designed for the Summer Olympic ice skating team, Lawrence of Arabia, and the Sheik, the Sheik, the Sheik of Araby, Henderson's air-cooled culottes can be found anywhere you see our windowless Henderson's vans slowly cruising the neighborhood. <laughs> That's Henderson's, makers of cool cockamamie contraptions since 1903. And now back to Suckatash! Thank you, Bill Haywatt. I now have a scary image in my mind of Bill wearing those air-cooled culottes around the house. So to get rid of that brain picture, let's take a triple gainer into the tweet sack. I had interaction with Frank Santopadre, the co-host of Gilbert Gottfried's new Amazing Colossal podcast, who thanks me for the Split Cider and Huffington Post mentions of their new show. And then we actually chatted a bit on Facebook about our various writing endeavors, which was enjoyable. A lot of Succotashians have made uh, some very nice mentions when they saw my selfie I posted last week on Facebook and Google Plus of my first place award that I received from the California Newspaper Publishers Association. That was for uh, editorial cartoons that I do each week in the Half Moon Bay Review newspaper. You can see that photo up this week on my show blog at SuccotashShow.com. In TweetSack-related news, I have received a swanky new Succotash tchotchke. That's right. A number of you now have been sending in your snail mail addresses to receive the very nifty magnetic Succotash button that we have, and I actually still have a couple dozen of those if you want one. But I also ordered a brand new thing, a Succotash zipper pull. It's a little disc emblazoned with the Succotash logo that clips onto almost any zipper that can be on a jacket or a duffel bag or a body bag or where, wherever your zipper may be located. Uh, those are in, and if you would like one, shoot me a note at mark, M-A-R-C, at succotashshow.com with your name and snail mail address, and I will send you one for free. I will pay for the postage and the envelope. Uh, if you, in return, really want to help out, you can always click over to SuccotashShow.com and hammer on our donate button to help us out with uh, keeping this podcast going. We will not say no to your generosity, but you don't even have to do that. I'll send you a zipper pull one way or another, but it'll be great if you want to help us out. Uh, of course, if you also help us out, I'll also mention your name on the podcast. How about that? Speaking of mentioning names, here's a list from the past week or so of the people who have tweeted, retweeted, mentioned, followed, or FF'd Suckatash Show. The Wrong Foot, Level 7 Access, 21 Century Vaudeville, The Underhogs Podcast, Aaron O'Connor, The Angry Ginger, Conrad and Jack, Rolando Jarigi, Phil Lerness, Davian Dent, Travis Knight, Aze Vendween, Get to Fuck, Illusionoid. Brett Hamill, Salty Language Pod, 
Brit and American, Pod Festivus, Jessica Delfino, Adder Radio, Spencer Dobson, Banjo Pope, Will Wilkins, Kelly Carlin, Cara Tramontano, Jordan Brady, Thomas Asuncio, Richard Brogger, Peaches and Hot Sauce, Matt and Corey Talk Too Much, The Comedy Buffet, The Pod Mafia, Pod Igniter, Ella James, Terry Warren, Mark Correa, Monica Hamburg, Wasis Miller, Podcast in the Woods, Chris Wilding, Osvaldo, and Warren Whitlock. Thanks so much for mentioning us. Back in Ebby 84, we featured a clip from the Angry Chimp Show. This week, I got a note and a clip from Stu from that podcast informing us that the Angry Chimp is taking a bit of a break, a hiatus, if you will. In its place, sort of, comes a new show entitled What a Pair of Trousers, featuring Stu and three pals who met back in high school, Ben, Matt, and Rich. Stu tells me it's the perfect opportunity for four old friends to get together and talk rubbish. In this clip, the chatter is about the drug prednisone, which one of the crew has recently been prescribed. I was at work today, and one of the odder or more odd staff members that I have (laughs) on my staff uh, has been unwell. So he came to work today and was telling me about the drugs that they have prescribed him to assist with his illness. He has a chest infection. It's quite bad. Uh, They put him on prednisone, and it has one of the more strange side effects that I've ever heard of. Mm -hmm. And the side effect is inappropriate happiness. (laughs) (laughs) By whose standards? I was going to say, is this a matter of going to a funeral (laughs) and then just saying, he's got the whole... (laughs) (laughs) Well, the way it was described to me was I said, inappropriate happiness, what do you mean? And he said, well, if I was at a funeral, I would either burst out laughing or get an erection. That sounds like me anyway. That's a normal reaction for me. Depends whose funeral it was. How many funerals has this guy been to since he's been on medication? (laughs) All of them. Hopefully zero. (laughs) He just hangs out at funerals now. (laughs) It's you know, appropriate happiness. Is, yeah, there, is there such a thing? Can you be inappropriately happy? Well, maybe it, it it just creates enough of the happiness hormone in your body yeah. and it just doesn't matter what it is. Anything can just trigger it. He's not a doctor, though. He doesn't like go, hey, you've got cancer. It's all great. <laughs> Let's all have a party or whatever. Here's a cake. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> <laughs> you no, he's he's <laughs> most, he is most definitely not. You <laughs> have a rectal fissure. <laughs> I prepared a song. Get a lollipop <laughs> on your way out. I mean, look. The, okay, so what what I do have in front of me uh, are some of the other side effects of prednisone, and I really can't understand how this is even getting given to people. I'm looking at it right now. We go, not you, not that. Yes. <laughs> Oh, put that but away. Side effects, We're doing a podcast. The side effects. I've got a full list. The side here. effects include headache, dizziness, difficulty falling asleep or staying asleep. What? Uh, inappropriate happiness, changes in personality, bulging eyes, thin. <laughs> oh, so we go going to Mars and taking prednisone. Yeah. Uh, basically the same thing. Yeah, that's right. That's at the end of Total Recall. They were all just on prednisone. <laughs> he just took some prednisone. Get your ass to Mars. Have some prednisone. Well, there's more. It goes on. <laughs> there's, there's thin, fragile skin, red or purple blotches, yep. slowed healing of cuts and bruises, increased hair growth. What the hell is Teen Wolf? <laughs> <laughs> Hallucination, sun, Cha- enlarged liver, changes in the you way fat is spread around the body. Oh, the way fat is spread around the body. This is a regular Popeye had that absent men's <laughs> good Popeye reference. It's straight to the forearms. Okay. But that's that's I not it. I have to tell you that's, this that's... because this is. Hang on, he's not done. <laughs> no, they, they're... So, they were the bland ones. There's serious side effects that I haven't mentioned yet. <laughs> Vision problems, eye pain, eye pain, death, uh, fever, chills, cough, 
seizures, depression, loss of contact with reality, confusion, muscle twitching, shaking of hands that you cannot control, numbness, burning or tingling in the face, arms, legs or feet, lightheadedness, irregular heartbeat, sudden weight gain, shortness of breath, swelling or pain in the stomach, swelling of the eyes, face, lips, tongue, throat, arms, hands, feet, ankles or lower legs. <laughs> Would you now, take that drug? The, the two... <laughs> no. What's... The two that got me were right next to each other in the side effects yeah. are overactive thyroid gland and underactive thyroid. <laughs> so it actually it gets your thyroid to go like that. I can't think... I can't think of a single illness that would be worse than those all of those side effects. <laughs> what a bizarre, like, what a bizarre yeah. drug yeah. to That's prescribe. Pretty cool, to though. I, I'm, I'm curious. I'm being completely honest here. I'm curious. You want to take some, don't you? I really do. I really <laughs> fucking do. I want to have that inappropriate happiness, and I want it to be at the most inappropriate time. I'm just trying to think what that might be. Getting probed for prostate cancer, I think, is probably. <laughs> the most inappropriate time. You want to hope the doctor's not on that drug too. You might have one enormous finger. <laughs> the Angry Chimp is slated to return for 10 shows in September or October. So in the meantime, slip into what a pair of trousers. Hey, they should get Henderson's Pants as a sponsor. What a great matchup. Find them at their home site, wapot.libson.com. And of course, iTunes, Stitcher, blah, blah, dee, blah. Tyson Sainer has clipped us a slice of a podcast that I've not heard of before called Old Enough to Know Better. Maybe the best way to sum up the gist of this show is to read their uh, description right off of iTunes, which reads, Perspective is everything, and we're both seeking it and offering what we can. We're both looking for some sanity and a way forward in the world. Perhaps you can help. Sometimes digressive and silly, sometimes focused and serious, always honest and aiming to be more. So our taste, uh, our taste that we have features host Eden chatting up guests AJ from the podcast Sup Dude and Jason about the mechanics of stand-up comedy and storytelling on stage. Hello, welcome back to the Old Enough to Know Better podcast. It's Eden sat here, this time without Beezer or Jonathan this week. I'm sat instead with AJ and Jason. Hello, sup? I'm pretty sure you know these voices by now, so... We know all the same people on Twitter anyway, so I'm pretty sure that most, most of our like overlap, like or most of our audience is overlap. That's good. I like so overlap. <laughs> we're probably just talking to people. We, <laughs> we know just love overlap. <laughs> anyway, yeah. <laughs> yeah I'll, just, take, just... I'll take your word. I'm one-on-one kind of guy myself. <laughs> you still have overlap. You just need to change the angle slightly. It's all about perspective. I've seen far too much porn for this. <laughs> My mind just goes to bad places. Yeah, no, it was meant to. I saw something the other day. Um, with me. My, I saw something the other day and my mind instantly went to hentai and I was like, the internet's oh, fucking ruined God. me. It was a worm on the floor. Oh, completely right. innocent. And I, I looked at it and my brain just went, hentai! And it was like, ah, oh, and so broken. It's tubular, it's wiggling, <laughs> it's hentai. You never see an octopus anymore. Mm. No, I know. No. Yeah, so we haven't got anything set that we were going to talk about this week, short of maybe a little bit of futurism and where are we going and all that kind of stuff, yeah. Because I've been, uh, well, let's just do a little catch-up first, because we've had a very brief how-have-you-been kind of thing, Mm. but has anybody got any tales to tell? Uh, I'm trying to think when the last time I was on it. Oh, God, ages ago. must have been back in the summer, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Good long while. Good long while. Well, I started training with Jason. Don't lose my bit of weight. I sit here with my bottle of Pepsi. But, um, <laughs> it's all balanced. It's fine, yeah. No, this is the sugar-free one. It's, it's, it's okay. with yeah. fizzy drinks, so all the difference it makes. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm making a bit of a push to get, get rid of my weight and that. Good so, shit. Yeah, I think we might, I might have even mentioned it last time. Yeah, yeah. Saying I think something about, um, you know, I need to get it, get it sorted. And you were like, do it. Call me. Yeah. Tonight, so, I do. Here we yeah. are. Here we are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's kind of a recurring theme on this podcast. You come along and say something, and then a couple of weeks later we meet up again and go, "Oh yeah, that thing you suggested. We're doing it now." <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's. I, I like. I like to think it's how my life goes. Well, it's nice. It's good to have the, somebody to chuck a bit of impetus upon us every now and again. <laughs> it's always good. So you're taking on the mantle of you know, you're not only professional podcast guests, but you just you breathe in every so often and go, "Hey, you guys should do this." <laughs> like a wind of change, just <laughs> blasting through. Yeah, exactly. Well, it works for me. Um, Positive influences. 
<laughs> and then just leave. That's gone on with some of our stuff recently. Yeah, I think I'll, I'll get into talking about more stuff with cool. the podcast that we're doing on our end a little bit more when I'm sat down with the Visa and Jonathan next time. But mm. we've again had another little bit of a kind of like, right, we've dragged the heels a little bit, time to kick up the arse again, get things going again. So me and Jonathan are going to be working on comedy stuff and yeah, I was gonna other say things are on the horizon for that. I was going to say, you, you still think you're doing some stand-up stuff at some point? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I was sat down telling somebody at work the Naked Old Lady story and the Brian Jackson story again, <laughs> and I've realised that now I slip into performance mode while I'm doing it, like, I'll be, I'll, I'll set them up and tell them, right, this is what I'm going to tell you about, and I'll sit down, relax, it's going to take about half an hour, 45 minutes, and then I just enthrall them for 45 minutes straight, it's like, right, mm. I think I've got something here that I, if I work a bit harder, if I get the wording right, I could get on a stage and do this. Yeah, maybe craft it into, I mean, obviously... With the stand-up thing, I don't think there's many venues where you can just stand up and talk for half an hour or so. Yeah, so it, it would take, be a matter of yeah, crafting truncating it. Yeah. And, yeah. Oh, no, believe me, I've thought about this. I think me and Jonathan will be talking about it for quite some time. It's like, I, I could probably come up with, like, right, here's the five-minute version, which would be very quick setup. Right, I'm at the hotel. This is what happened. Here's what I'm thinking. Quickly run through it. The extended version would be, right, now let me take you through what I normally do, like... the a little bit more detail, that yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. So you think it's all on the short course. version would be more kind of, not not really with a punchline, but be more kind of. And then this happened, and then just kind that, of almost the blindsiding whole... the audience a little bit, sort of. Yeah, I think th that that's the difficulty that I have is both of the stories peter out a bit. They don't come to a conclusion, so I've got to figure out a way of having a punchline at the end, mm. or at least sort of have it kind of then reference back. And so that's why I don't do X. Or yeah. Yeah. Well, the naked old lady one has the beauty of her mentioning Brian, so that goes immediately to the Brian Jackson story. Yeah. But it's figuring out like, ah, we're getting too, we're, we're talking we're too there, much yeah. shock potentially <laughs> for the people listening to this. this. This might be a little bit too kind of like, oh fucking, I'll just tell the joke and don't tell me how you're going to tell it. I can imagine there might be some people that would think that whilst listening to this. Don't want to appear behind the curtain. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> don't ruin it for me. <laughs> it's too late now. You're not hearing the joke. Yeah. Sounds like a nice listen. Their home site is oldenoughtoknowbetter.libson.com. Now, isn't it great when a podcaster hits on a simple formula that works? The kind that makes other podcasters kick themselves for not having thought of it before? Josh Kagan has done it with his Like I'm an Idiot podcast, in which he is the idiot, and he asks smart people, i.e. his guests, to explain things to him. In his Epi 29, he wanted guest Erica Hall to help him understand what the fuck is going on in San Francisco. I actually first came to San Francisco in about 1995, the 20th century. <laughs> I, it was back in the prospecting days. Yeah, I came, in, I came here to mine gold. <laughs> um, and you were brought there by the promise of like, oh, this is where all the smart people are, or I want to make things for the internet, or I just, I, I like nice weather, but not too nice weather. So that's why I'm not moving to Los Angeles. So well, what was I, was, I was from Los Angeles. So that's, yes. Yeah. So, so I, I started there and uh, I'd always heard things uh, from my family about how nice San Francisco was. And I actually came here for the first time on a marine biology field trip in high school that old story. Yeah. And I said, wow, th this place is awesome. This is where I want to live. Like I got here and I, I thought this, I mean, it's beautiful here. If you haven't been in San Francisco, whatever else is going on, it is the Bay Area is really, really beautiful. And, you know, Los Angeles has its special charms. And <laughs> that's that's actually the nicest thing anyone from the Bay Area has ever said about Los Angeles. Well, that's it's not the worst place ever. Uh -oh. <laughs> So you got there, so you went there on a trip and to look at fish, and then you were like, no, I, I, even beyond the fish, I like this place's whole deal. Yeah, so I, I, I took a detour back east to go to college, and then uh, I moved out here after college. And at that point, the internet was very, you know, it was barely a job. It was something that people were cooking up in physics laboratories still at that point. So how did you work your way into that? Did you elbow your way into physics laboratories? Or what, what was it that you first did when you got there? The job I found was as an administrative assistant in a venture capital firm. Oh, okay. Now, I recognize those two words, venture capital. They, Whenever people who are angry at San Francisco right now say angry words, generally it is aimed at venture capitalists. Let, very quickly, let me see if I know what that is. A venture capitalist is someone who funds startups? 
Yes. Or finds the money to fund startups? Is that is that about right? Uh, yeah. So you could think of it. So a venture capital partnership is generally a group of dudes in khaki pants who <laughs> they'll go and they'll say, hey, you uh, – then they talk to, you know, younger men wearing khaki shorts and they say – Okay, I'll give you. Um, I'll invest a million dollars in your idea, and then and the men start the startup, and hopefully, then they sell it to Yahoo or AOL for ten million dollars, and then what whatever portion of the company that the venture capitalist bought with the one million dollar investment, they get you know a return based on how the deal was structured, et cetera. So that is venture capital in a very small and inaccurate ball and stick model of the atom kind of uh, yeah, they description. Are, they are they are a money bridge. Basically, the money walks across them from the rich people to the guys who want to make the new fart app. Yeah. Beautiful. So you worked for a group of venture capitalists in 1995, 96. Yeah, roughly. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit before that. What were they? They weren't now, obviously, they weren't funding startups at that point because or certainly not Internet startups because there was barely an Internet. Uh, Yeah. So what they fund, like they fund startups, but there are different kinds of startups besides Internet startups. Uh, They funded. God, what did they fund? This was, and I worked for a particularly unsuccessful venture capital partnership too. Well, regardless of what they funded, certainly it doesn't sound like the culture of it was something that you were super crazy about. Uh, not, not at all. But it was, it was interesting, and it was, it was. I was there for two years before I, I found my way, before the internet was really a thing, and I, I got out of it. And what I learned was that there are the people who who go to people with dreams. They go to entrepreneurs with dreams, and they're like, oh. You have your dream, but you have no money to make it a reality. I'll give your money. I'll give you money, and I'll take your dream from you. And 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 the thing I got to see was that they don't really. And this this isn't true. Like I'll say, there are some some investors out there, some venture guys and in angels that who are not, you know, that awful. But you're in a position, just because it's sort of a numbers game. You know, you invest in say ten companies, and you two of them have to do really well, and the rest of them you kind of uh, discount. Yeah. Collateral damage. Collateral damage. And so you can't, you just have to care that you have a couple winners. And so you only care in the company really insofar as it has a chance to be one of these big winners. So you're not in the, you're not in the nurturing souls business. You're not necessarily in the helping, you're not really in the helping people achieve their dreams business. You're in the 10 times, yeah, multiple business. Finding a thousand people with dreams and then hoping that two of them Lucky seven. Come on. Baby needs a new pair of shoes like that, that they hit the numbers and then every and then everybody else can kind of go after themselves. There is a sample of Like I'm an Idiot with Josh Kagan. You can listen to the idiot and hear him speak over at MuleRadio.net and SoundCloud as well. Associate producer Tyson Sainer got us a clip of the Picnic Time podcast, which I guess is related to but not the same as the Picnic Time radio morning morning show. One host, Adam, is on both. But Jesse is only on the podcast, I think. I'm confused. Anyway, Adam and Jesse talk in this clip about an interesting revelation, so to speak, that has come to light about the late Pastor Fred Phelps of the Westboro Baptist Church. Well, speaking of pastors and priests, you had an interesting story about Fred Phelps. Yeah. So according to his grandson, Pastor Fred Phelps, everybody knows that fuck, uh, apparently he had a change of heart before his death. Uh, On Thursday, Planning Peace, an anti-bullying equal rights group that founded the Equality House, which was directly across the street from the Westboro Baptist Church's headquarters in Topeka, posted a message to Facebook from former WBC member, who also happens to be Fred Phelps' grandson. Uh, And it it reads, uh, Specifically on the day that he was excommunicated, he stood in front of the door of the church, but not within anyone's earshot, Uh, And he said to the Equality House, you're good people. And so his grandson feels like he had a change of heart. And, uh, you know, he waited for news. Apparently, uh, Fred Phelps' wife was sick at the time, too. And so, yeah, he uh, apparently his grandfather thinks that or he thought his grandfather had a change of heart, which is kind of interesting. Uh, He says, I think that he got over the homophobia. I don't think he hated homosexuals at that point. Planting peace, the fact that it's a rainbow house, kind of implies that maybe there's a homosexual connection there. So, yeah, I figured that he was supporting them, too. So, do we know if the Westboro Baptist Church is still, like, doing all of their shenanigans, like protesting funerals and saying, like, oh, we hate faggots and all that? 
uh, I don't have an update on that at the moment. Uh, but but it's interesting, right? Because if like their own former leader is like saying, "Hey, you know, we're just spreading this message of love," you know, they're okay. Do I mean he didn't go as far as to say like, "Oh yeah, all is forgiven." I think that'd be kind of like letting him off too easy, but. It's interesting. So maybe he was like reflecting on his life and was like, fuck, I made a mistake. <laughs> right. I mean, you know, this could all just be, he's like, I don't want to go to hell. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, I don't know. That's kind of, it's almost like, well, was he sincere? I mean, usually you would think someone on their deathbed would be pretty sincere. So you would think you would hope <laughs> you never know though. He is a Phelps. Yeah. So, well, maybe this will inspire. You know, like the the Westboro people to be like, hey, let's give this up. You know, let's right. spread love, not hate. I mean, I certainly hope so, since that is you know sort of the true tenet of that book that they preach from. So, hopefully, we'll see. I mean, I can't at this point. There's not really been anything coming out of there since he died. So, we may see the end of the Westboro Baptist Church as we know it, anyway. Yeah, I mean, I, I haven't heard of any more stories like. It's like every week there'd be something like Westboro Baptist Church protests this or that, and it's like now you don't hear anything about them. Right. It's like their five minutes of fame is over with. Which is fine, because they had more than they needed anyway. Yeah. Enjoy more of the Picnic Time podcast over at their home site at picnictimepod.com. Let's round out the show with our second Burst O'Durst. This time Will is talking about the scourge of phone zombies. Hey, guys. Will Durst here with a few choice words about all the smartphones out there being wielded by all the dumb people like me. We are living in a science fiction movie, slowly turning into a nation of phone zombies, staggering down streets with our heads bowed, making the occasional grunting noise, turning others into zombies by showing 47 pictures of their neighbor's cute cat. It's the invasion of the body snatchers in action. Oh, sure, we can check weather patterns in Outer Mongolia or order a chess set made out of imitation crab meat in the shape of Marvel superheroes and have it delivered before we get home, but in the meantime, we are developing the attention span of high-speed lint. Zombies who can't remember our own phone numbers, much less any significant other. Of course, compared to our phones, there are no significant others. Zombies in public restrooms clogging up stalls for hours playing a quick round of Angry Birds. The same zombies would get into their cars and refuse to leave parking spots until they've checked in with high command. Vacations are just excuses for we zombies to stare at our phones in distant exotic lands. Smartphones are like congressmen. We hate them all except for our own. Fortunately, most of us don't hate them as much as the ex-cop who shot a kid for texting in a movie theater, but be honest, you've thought about it. Who hasn't politely churned when we thought someone was addressing us, only to find it was some zombie in a suit on a Bluetooth? But the worst are the suited Bluetooth zombies in an elevator. Shut up, dirt wipe. From now on, it should be legal to punch elevator zombies right in the ear. Tell them it's for the sake of civilization. For Succotash, the podcast of comedy podcasts, I'm Will Durst. Thank you, Will Durst. You know, no matter how many times I try to tell him that we're the comedy podcast podcast, he insists on making us the podcast of comedy podcasts. Now, I know it's pretty much the same thing, so I'm not going to grouse about it. Find more Durst at willdurst.com, and he tweets at Will Durst on Twitter. We tweet at Succotash Show on Twitter, and you can also like us on facebook.com slash Succotash Show. Remember also that if you're shopping Amazon, please come to SuccotashShow.com first and click on the Amazon banner at the top of the page. You'll end up in the same place, but when you buy something, we get a little taste back from Amazon. That's right. So there's uh, there's no skin off your, your rosy nose, you know. Uh, that's going to do it for Epi 88. We've got a few interviews coming up in the next couple of episodes, so that's going to be fun. We're also getting even nearer to our big Epi 100 end of season one extravaganza whatever that's going to turn out to be. In the meantime, if there's a comedy podcast out there we haven't covered yet, please drop me a line at mark, M-A-R-C, at succotashshow.com and tell me all about it. 
And remember that you can get each episode of Succotash two days before anyone else by subscribing to us at connectpal.com slash Succotash. Talk to you soon, but until I do, thanks for passing the Succotash. You've been listening to Suckatash, the comedy podcast podcast with your host, Mark Hershon. Brought to you by Henderson's Pants and... Imagine your company's name right here. Find us on the web at SuckatashShow.com, on iTunes, on Stitcher Smart Radio, and on SoundCloud. You can also hear us streaming and like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Suckatash Show. Email us at MA rc at succotashshow.com or call into the succotash hotline at our non-toll free call number 818-921-7212 the number again is 818-921-7212 is produced and engineered with the kind assistance of Joe Paulino through the auspices of Studio P Sausalito home of the hit our associate producer is Tyson Saner our musical director is Scott Carvey our booth assistant is Kenny Durges until next time I am your loyal booth announcer, Bill Haywatt, reminding you to please pass the succotash. Goodbye.